Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Talking Football with Ray, and believe it or not, my name is Ray, and I'm going to be the one talking football with you. Before we cut to the show, you need to remember that we are talking about a kid's game that's played by grown men. So sit back, relax, don't take yourself too serious, and let's have a little bit of fun in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Zero! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Talking Football with Ray. My name is Ray. I'm me, this guy right here. I'm going to be the one talking football with you. Obviously, I'm feeling better. I'm in a much better mood than I was when I was on with Mario last week. Sorry that we're 11 minutes late. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. We were talking about TikTok, like legitimately 11 minutes of TikTok. Um, I was trying to figure out why Mario has uh, a, a girl way too pretty for him and just a whole bunch of other stuff. But we, we're here. We're here. We're going to talk football today. Um, well, kind of. We're talking about the Buffalo Bills. So we're sort of talking football. You know what I mean? Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Are the Buffalo Bills in panic mode? I don't think they are. But I'm telling you right now, Bills Mafia is, it's, it's, ooh, it's, it's weird because on one side, you've got the fire McDermott, fire day ball, blow up the team. On the other side, you got people saying the Bills are going to go 11 and 6. The Patriots are going to go 10 and 7. The Bills are going to win the AFC East. I'm willing to say the, the Bills shouldn't be in panic mode, but let's not get fucking stupid here. They're going to win the AFC East. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the Jaguars are going to win the Super Bowl and Urban Meyer is going to win coach of the year. That's a no, no. Okay. I'll, I'll give Mario his chance. I'll give Mario his chance. I'm in a good mood. COVID's back. Talked about it a lot last night. 10 of you fucking unsubscribed. Fuck you. All right. I didn't sit here and preach. We talked about how COVID is wreaking havoc on the NFL. Guess what? No Baker Mayfield this weekend. No Jarvis Landry. No Austin Hooper. No half your offensive line got to play the Raiders Ooh, two teams fighting out for a playoff spot right now just sounds great that Cleveland's got to go in with uh getting no cream hunt has nothing to do with COVID but I just thought I'd throw that in DeAndre Hopkins out for the regular season make it close regular season could be back for the playoffs or hopeful I don't think he will be Sam Darnold activated off the IR is that it for Mr. Cam I get benched every uh, half a game Newton maybe I'm not even sure if we're going to talk about that. Right now, really, it's Baker out and are the Bills in panic mode, but we'll try to get there. Those of you who are watching on Patreon, hang around. After everybody else goes, I'll still be live. Maybe Mario will be here. Maybe he won't. I meant to tell him before we went on that I'll be staying live with the Patreon and he can leave or stay. It's up to him. Um, but again, we got into an 11-minute TikTok conversation. So uh, the king of Buffalo sports, what can I say? All right, guys, let's get it started. What's the date today? Wednesday, Wednesday, December the 15th, three minutes and 24 seconds of your time wasted. Hope you enjoy it. Here's what we're going to do. I got, it's that night guys. It's, it's my favorite sponsors over at symbol. Sorry, news break. Um, my favorite sponsor over at symbol. It's a long ad, but it's worth it. You got to listen to it. We're going to play the ad. It's pre-recorded, heavily edited and live all at the same time. It's going to go on when we come back. I'll be with Mario and you know how it's going to go. I'm going to play the ad and I'm going to come back and I'm, I'm going to tend to take another 10 minutes telling you where to find me because I'm all over the internet, but 
you know what if you're new to the show like it's what it is if you're if you're not new and you're, you're here all the time and you're getting frustrated by this like you know i'm not gonna fucking change it's been like this since 2017 like let's get over it by now right okay all right let's do the ad welcome talking football with ray here we go Hey guys, let me just take a few seconds here and tell you about my sponsors over on Symbol. If you've thought about investing in the stock market, but you're worried about making an investment because maybe you don't know enough about investing, or perhaps you're just not ready to put your money into crypto, why not invest into something you know all about? And that's the sports market. Symbol brilliantly combines sports betting and investment into all in one place. On Symbol, you can invest in your favorite teams like the New England Patriots or take a long-term investment on teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Show your sports know-how by buying, trading, and selling shares in all of your favorite college, NFL, Major League Baseball, and NBA teams. You can also earn money for every win. You can invest in-season or out-of-season. It's up to you. Buy small, sell big. This is not some week-by-week gambling site where you can drop a wager on one game. This is your chance to be in it for the long haul. Be cautious, be aggressive, be a homer. It doesn't matter. Symbol is there for you to find the value and try to make you money. Symbol is offering an absolutely crazy promotion that I think they're insane for offering. However, click the link that I've left in the description and use the promo code DPN and Symbol will allow you to make a completely risk-free deposit up to $500. Use the promo code DPN and your deposit will be risk-free for 90 days, meaning if you lose money, don't like the market, don't like the website, whatever reason, you can withdraw your entire initial deposit no matter what. So go check out what I think is the coolest gambling and investing site in the world. I've left the link to the symbol website in the description below. So I suggest you go check it out and show the world your sports know-how and how savvy of an investor you really are. Go check out symbol by using the link that I've left in the description and make sure that you use that promo code and that promo code DPN and make a 90-day risk-free deposit for up to $500. And we're back live here on Talking Football with Ray. We're live on Twitter. We're live on YouTube. And, of course, you can... Uh, you all know by now I am the king of self-promotion. That dick over there is Mario. And you can find my content all over the internet. You can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Newsbreak, Patreon, all of the podcast networks, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts. And, of course, you can find... I get... Hey! And I can, you can find my podcast. Let me get through this one. This is the important one. You can find my podcast and blogs over at the featured network, deanblundell.com. And make sure you check out both my YouTube channels and uh, make sure you check out my Ray Route e- e- exclusive Patreon. And um, hope you guys are fucking ready for this because this will be Mario from Hashtag Sports last appearance on this show ever. <laughs> Mario, what's going I'm on? Just, I'm just messing with you, buddy. I was actually, I fell asleep watching the. Um game tape of the new england patriots because that offense puts me to sleep all the time it's just yeah i know there's nothing worse than having nine wins and fucking hey, brady out, did man. it for 20 years that was the most boring offense he ever ran i know but uh, it did wins it wins nine, nine super bowls it was phenomenal it was absolutely <laughs> it was it was absolutely phenomenal i don't know what that feels like but yeah you know i'm just trying to be a nice guy here i've been like i've been what the fuck is wrong with your fan base before we even start can we can we go there okay now what, this what, dude, what now what happened so, because they're because so, they're donating to a blind charity <laughs> i laughed at that <laughs> i was i was like maybe don't go down 24 to 3 and uh you don't have to worry about referee calls i I hate one thing you'll know about about me and you know this i will never blame a game on a referee because i always figure Mm -mm. 
if you come down and go like that one play fucked you i'm like okay that's about six seconds of a five say five seconds of a game let's say 10 seconds at most it's like 10 seconds of a game that affected you mm-hmm. what did you do for the other 59 minutes you know whatever 59 minutes and, and 90 mm-hmm. seconds or 40 50, whatever fucking minutes 40 seconds what did you do in that time to put yourself in a position that one fucking call is what fucked you in a game and i say that every game do i get mad yeah do but the referees, okay, we're going to get into the bills and, and stuff that I need to put banners up in a second, but let's start with this, okay? Yep. I said it on Monday. I think I might have said it yesterday. That was pass interference on Stefan Diggs. Yes. 100%. 100%. Do you know why, though, it's a big deal? Because the bills lost, right? Yeah. You know what's you know what's not a big deal but could have been a big deal? A phantom late hit on josh allen when he got hit in bounds against the patriots on third down which gave the 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 bills a 15 yard penalty in the fourth quarter and put them closer why isn't that a big deal that was against the patriots why isn't a big deal because the patriots won so we forget about those kind of bad plays otherwise that's what you would have saw on twitter all week right yeah yeah to me it always works both ways it always works both ways you guys not okay you got fucked on that play if you score seven points in the first quarter and have the exact same second half, then a field goal wins you the game. It doesn't tie the game. Uh, if yeah. you don't go three and out after winning the coin toss in overtime, you win the game. You know, like it's yeah. Yeah. to me and it's, it's, but I just, I laugh, blame the ref. It's fine. You went down 24 to three. It's okay. Um, I was going to talk shit to you on Sunday, but based on your reaction back to me after my first tweet, I was like, I'm just going to let this be because well, I couldn't remember I, what that was. No, it was it. it no, see, no, now, I just, I, just I don't, tweeted. I don't complain about it. See, I I'll mention the rest because it's you, as you know, it is our obligation to the fan bases that we have and the fans that we have that follow to us that we have bitch and wine when things happen. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I do that. I do that with Patriot fans all the time. However, no all week it was ridiculous but that's not even where i was getting at i wasn't even getting at the referees because like i said if if the bills would have won like i'm not even getting at you guys bitching about the refs if the bills would have beat the patriots trust me it would have been an entire week of that phantom play and a screenshot of sean mcdermott pointing and screaming right because that even the announcer said and other analysts said like sean mcdermott screamed his way into that penalty you know what I mean? Like there was influence on there. That would have been it all week. Why wasn't it a big deal? The Patriots won, so we forget. Every week it's like that. So I'm not even going to get there because Patriots would have been the same. Yep. No, this guy eventually deleted his tweet because, uh, as you know, I actually have a pretty big bill contingent of fans for reasons beyond my belief. Um, and I asked the Bills fans if they wanted to take ownership of this guy who said – He's deleted the tweet because it was one thing when like Patriot fans were getting on him. It was a whole nother when the Bills contingent went after him. And uh, when he said that the NFL purposely gave the Patriots an easy schedule this year and um, they're in cahoots with the refs and that the the reason that they've been so good for 20 years is because the, the they've always gone out of their way to give the Patriots the easiest schedule in the league when we all know how the schedule works there's mm-hmm. the first place schedule the crossover and yeah and then everybody in the afc east will play the exact same teams except for the conference games you'll play if you came in first last year you'll play all the first place teams from yes. the you know like it's it's how it works um 
and so I just quote tweeted him, and I was like, I think I, I added Rico as well because you guys aren't very active on your new uh, Twitter account, by the no, way. No, not yet. At, at hashtag two, the number two point, actually oh, P O I N T. I got you. Zero. So make sure you guys go check it out if you want to put it in the chat too as well, so they can see it. Um, but it's hashtag two point oh. But yeah, um, I added him. I'm like, you owning this guy? And then you know Rico over from Buffalo Fanatics, and the Buffalo Fanatics guy got on this kid, and it, and it all uh, it all went the hell in a handbasket. But let's talk about the wow, Buffalo. I did not, I did not know that. Yeah, and then he's now deleted the tweet, which well, sucks um, yeah. because I've been bookmarking that for three days as a, a main point of our conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, he didn't just tweet that; it was a thread. It was like seven wow. tweets long of just conspiracy theory, crazy, wacky bullshit. Yeah, I don't. I I you know. If if I would have seen it, what the tweet was, I probably would have said, you know, I don't claim that. I don't. I don't. I love conspiracy theorists when it pertains to the team that I cheer I cheer for and I support. Yeah. You know, it's fun to do that. Paul and I do that all the time. But uh, overall, I, I, there's there's certain individuals that will go over overboard with certain things. So. So before we get into this, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real with you. I don't know if you saw it, but I did a spot on the Dean Blundell show on Tuesday. I now do the two minute drill on his show every day, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a Buffalo Bills fan, Toronto boy, Buffalo yep. Bills fan. And during the game on Sunday, he tweeted out, "McDermott needs to be fired after this game." Um, I take some accountability for that because I wrote pretty strongly about Sean McDermott. Yes. Um, after the Patriots game and throughout the week. And I tweeted a lot of shit about Sean McDermott because um, he pissed me off. As you know, we already had that conversation last yep. week. Mm-hmm. And then when the game was over, he said 33, 24 bucks. He said the tweets, my, my, my tweet still stands. So he was still on the fire McDermott thing. And I came out yesterday and I said that second half, what I saw from McDermott and it's McDermott. I know it's from the offense, but because it was the whole team, I got to give credit to the head. The head coach takes all glory and takes all accountability. It's the fact of the matter. I saw adjustments both offensively and defensively. I think he outcoached Tom Brady in the because we all know Tom Brady's the offensive coordinator. He outcoached Tom Brady in the second half. He outcoached Bruce Arians on the on the his offensive side of the game. And uh, I said that the only way now that Sean McDermott could be on the hot seat is if Buffalo loses out and doesn't make the playoffs, because then you got to question what happened, right? It's, yeah. Um, well, you got to question because because you were in the top of the AFC East, you've been in a playoff spot all season. You still control your own destiny based on some things happening that were Cincinnati losing, all this other kind of stuff. Yes, kept kept you in the playoffs, but you still control your own destiny. If you were to lose out and not make the playoffs, I think McDermott has to be questioned. No. I think because uh, we that's had, the we, only reason though we I had think... this discussion at post game. You know, we had, we talked about this at post game is the fact that you had to fight. Someone had to lose their job after that game, not McDermott per se, because we know we all know how the hierarchy works in the NFL. Usually, a coordinator will go, maybe an offensive line coach, defensive line coach, something. If they did not come out strong in that second half, you know that there were going to be some heads that rolled, and maybe McDermott would have been on the hot seat, um, but. Buffalo knows how tough it is to start over again with the number of regime changes that they've had since they, um, you know, the, during the drought, you know, from 99 till 2017. Uh, you have to start over. But the thing was during that restart all the time is what people noticed was they were starting with completely different regimes. Like you go from a very conservative coach to Rex Ryan, who is a maniac. And then you have to go back to another conservative coach that doesn't just, that does just doesn't affect the infrastructure of the team. It affects the players that you've drafted in that time. So a lot of these players 
Buffalo Bills fans, you know, we've tried to talk to them ourselves and say, listen, oh, look at look at this player. They leave Buffalo and then Stefan Gilmore leaves and you know he's a great player over here. And this player, Marshawn Lynch leaves and goes over here. It's like there was a regime change. It wasn't they the, the guy that was drafted with that coach for that system is not fit for that system anymore. So you have to go somewhere else. Not saying that Gilmore or Lynch were, but the point was you're going to lose players in that respect, and they're going to go to teams where their talents are better used by better coaches. So everything, everything being considered, I, I agree with you that there will be some changes in this offseason if the Buffalo Bills do not make the playoffs. And I, Dre, before we even went live, I went through the playoff simulator for a good 15, 20 minutes. And I was trying to manipulate it so that even if the Bills lost to the Patriots and they finished the season at 10 and 7, is there a chance in HE double hockey sticks that they could make the playoffs? And the one thing that I came to was that you have to have all the current division leaders win out. They have to beat the teams that are below the Bills and just slightly above the Bills. If, if, if maybe and when the Bills lose to the Patriots, it's going to be very tough. But and, and you're talking about a control, ball, yeah. and you're talking about a Baltimore team who's got Lamar Jackson on a on a hurt ankle. I guess they came yeah, out of a high ankle you know, spring. Yeah. You've got Tennessee, who I believe is the Super Bowl can, favorites once uh, AJ Brown and Derrick Henry come back because that defense yes. is for real. Um, but I think they could still win their games. I love Rable. I love and, Rable. and when it comes to the Patriots. I know there's a lot of Buffalo fans who are looking at next game for, for Buffalo fans against the Patriots. It's like the big game. Yeah. For me as a Patriots fan, it's the Colts game on Saturday. Like yeah, if, yeah. if they beat the Colts, I'm okay losing to the bills. You know what I mean? Because then we have, yeah. ja- then they have Jacksonville and Miami left. Um, they're going to beat Jacksonville. Yeah. Bill's got to cheer for the, for the Patriots in that, in that regard. Yeah. Miami, to- who knows? Mm-hmm. But that's what I keep saying to people. If if the Patriots lose on Saturday, okay, that Bills game becomes big. We like they have to beat the Bills. Mm-hmm. If they beat the Colts, even if the Bills win, I mean, you're talking about now a miracle for the Patriots to lose the AFC East if they can beat the Colts. True, right? Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's gonna be true. But look, I got six stories. We haven't even got to one yet. So why don't we that's get fine. into it? Okay, let's go. Let's rock and roll. And let's start with this one. The Buffalo Bills have lost their last two of three. I think their last three of five. Um, some surprising losses to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I would say not a surprising loss to the Patriots in the sense that they lost to the Patriots, but surprising in the sense of how they lost to the New England Patriots. Uh, mm-hmm. Beat the Jets, lose to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers on on Sunday night, Sunday afternoon to Sunday night, down twenty four to three. Bring it back, outscore them twenty four to three, losing overtime. There's been a lot of questions this week, and let's face it right now, the Buffalo Bills have been slaughtered by the mainstream media this week, the MSM, as we like to call them. Um, For me, being not a part of the mainstream media and being a different media, I like to listen to what I have to say uh, better. But what I get at is, is I took the moral victories from Sunday if I'm a Bills fan. Someone asked me, how do you get over a demoralizing loss like the Bills had? And I said, you just you go to practice and you build off what you showed the world in the second half, what you're capable of. You showed the NFL, hey, we just put up 24 points and outscored a team by 20, the defending Super Bowl champions by 22 points. Yes, they outscored us by 22 points or 21 points, sorry, in the first half. We outscored them by 21 and we were a play away. The Brashad Pierman touchdown was a little lob pass and a better run. 
I think that there's no reason at this point to hit that panic button. Now, if Buffalo goes into Carolina this weekend and doesn't win, mm. then you're slamming that panic button. Now there's now there's you got the Patriots left. <clears throat> it's you're now in a panic. But you as a Buffalo Bills fan right now, you haven't played Carolina yet. That's gonna be an inner squad scrimmage. <laughs> well, and I was talking about this game with Connor this week, and I said to Connor, "What do the Bills have to do?" And Connor said, "They got to blow them out. They can't just beat them." And we went back to the Patriots when the Patriots were two and four, and they were going up against the New York Jets, and that's what started this seven-game win streak. And we talked about what do they have to do, and they said they don't just have to beat the Jets; they have to blow them up. They got to blow the brakes off them. They got to sh- they got to show them like, you know, good teams got to beat up on weaker teams. It can't be a close game. And we see that same thing with Carolina, but forget just Carolina for a second. Let me ask you, are the Buffalo bills or their fan base more than likely, probably not the players, but are the, are the Buffalo bills fan base? Are you in panic? Are they in panic mode right now? Are you in panic mode? Or did you kind of like what you saw? Again, I texted you after that game. I got a simple yep back from you. So I backed off and said, okay, I'm not going to, he's in a mood right now. Um, Are you in panic mode three days later? Or how do you feel about this team? You know, you know, it was funny. The more that we used to talk about it here in the Buffalo area, we were talking about, all right, all right the Bills, or you lose this game, you're not in panic mode yet. You lose this game, you're not in panic mode yet. And it was always the buildup to the crescendo of the Patriots game. Okay, if you go in and you beat the Patriots, okay, you're not so much in panic mode yet. You know, you started the season, um, I mean, the Bills start the season at 4-1. and one, And I even mentioned after the Kansas City game when they went 4-1, and one, I said, you know what? This team, even though they're, they're you know they won the last four games, I see a lot of Jekyll and Hyde in them, and that's what they are. You know, you start if the Tampa Bay game wasn't a microcosm of how Jekyll and Hyde this Buffalo Bills team has been this year, and that's what you get with a young team. They have a very they you know very young team. They have coming off a thirteen and three season. Now they're they're they have so many ups and downs in this season that it's driving Buffalo Bills fans insane. You are in panic. Now it's it's the time where, listen, you have to win out. There are no questions. We had some games throughout the season where well, you could lose this one. You could lose this one. We talk about it all the time. You could lose the NFC games because it doesn't affect your conference. Well, you started losing conference games. Okay, that's fine. You still have the Patriots game coming up. You can take care of your division, blah, blah, blah. You lose to the Patriots. Hold on now. Wait one second. Okay, for the rest of the season, eh, you know what? I think that would be okay. If you win out, you can lose to the Bucs because that's an NFC game. The Bucs are the Bucs. If you got to win out, if, you kept saying if, if you win out in the AFC for the rest of your schedule. Now you have to win out in the in the rest of the schedule to even have a remote slim uh, a remote chance to, to make the playoffs. But that's the thing. Jekyll and Hyde does not work in the playoffs. You need some consistency. It's usually the hottest teams that go into the playoffs will have the, have the better you know run at the end. You know that being a Patriot fan for the, for the years that you were, for many, many years seeing that. The Patriots always went into the playoffs the most complete team, and then they end up going to the Super Bowl nine times, as you, as you mentioned before. So I don't even think if they make the playoffs with the Jekyll and Hyde. Now, if they play like they did in the second half of the Bucks game, as you mentioned, they're not losing to anybody. I don't care who you who you play against. They're not losing to anybody. You had that one uh, missed assignment. Obviously, you got Dane Jackson in there for Tredavious White. They played a heck of a game for four quarters. They had a miscommunication on that crossing route to Perriman. That was not that, that I I firmly believe that that was not Tremaine Edmonds' guy. I believe there was there was two guys that were covering an out route and he went free across the backside. That is a classic Brady play, throwing back you know guys coming around backside, but. Um, 
you know, you, you had a chance to win that game. You didn't win that game. Now you have to win out. There are no questions anymore. So Buffalo Bills players have been getting testy the last couple of post games. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it's been around the run defense, which yes. has looked very suspect and, and, and a position where you have always said it's and and this audience has heard it already. You have said their top run defense was always an inflated number because teams weren't running the football against the Buffalo bills because they were coming from behind. At what point does that become a serious problem or is it already a serious problem? Well, if we were to look at the um, the playoff simulator that we have, you know, you look at the teams. Cincinnati, I'm just I'm just picking random. Cincinnati can run the ball. Kansas City, they're that's that's who the Buffalo Bills were put together to beat. Their defense, their defense was put together to stop Kansas City. L.A. can run the ball. Indy obviously can run the ball. Baltimore, that's what they do. Tennessee, New England. You look at all these teams that go on in the, that are like playoff bound in the AFC. How do you plan on stopping any of those teams? Now, this is not the 2005 Colts where they were 32nd against the run the entire year and then turned into a great defense in the playoffs. That does not happen. I'm sorry. It is a concern because, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not even going to mention injuries because that is a scapegoat. I'm not going to mention that. What you have to do is you have to try to come up with a different kind of philosophy in order to stop the guys. And, the, and it all starts with the, with the front four. You have to try to get bodies off of your linebackers so they can roam free to make some tackles. They're not doing that. Guards are getting free releases, both at uh, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, who are they're faster linebackers and they're more coverage guys. But they could still move sideline to sideline if they needed to if they don't have bodies on them. It is a huge concern because this defense is more built for the to defend the pass than it is the run. And like you said, that's what they've done. They've gotten out to so many leads that teams could not run on them. So they didn't, teams didn't. They just gave it up. They're like, oh, we got to try to throw it to get back in this game. We're not going to get back, blah, 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 blah. So the teams didn't run. So that number was always, like I said, like you mentioned, it's very inflated. So the Bills got to try to do something a little bit differently. Usually that comes with, like I mentioned at the onset, a firing. Maybe, maybe somebody needs to go. Maybe the defensive line coach, uh, Eric Washington, who worked with, uh, McDermott down in Carolina, who ended up becoming the defensive coordinator in Carolina when McDermott left. McDermott brought him back. You know the you know you got the you got Bob Babich and his son, who are the linebacker and secondary coach. If you fire one, both the other one's leaving. I don't care. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it all it all will end up being on the shoulders of Leslie Frazier if this team cannot turn it around and stop the run. Perhaps Frazier's time in Buffalo may be done at the end of the year. So, we're going to take a look at we're gonna, and we're going to monitor that closely as well. I'd also like to welcome our one viewer on Twitter. Um, I'm almost embarrassed to have it up right now. One viewer. <laughs> we had over 500 on last night. And today we have one. Sorry. So, I killed so, the show. You did. Um, there's a team right now that's been, well, there's eight teams that are now in advanced COVID protocols. And the Cleveland Browns are one of them. Yesterday, they put eight guys on, including Jarvis Landry, including Austin Hooper, a couple of guards. 
today, Coach Kevin Stefanski tests positive for COVID. He's out. And now Baker Mayfield's out. Kareem Hunt is injured. He was not scheduled to play this game against the Raiders. Short week, Las Vegas, Saturday afternoon, 4.20 p.m. Eastern time. Both teams fighting out for a playoff spot. This is exactly the fear that I had coming into this season was that COVID was going to strike at the worst possible time and it was going to affect games that were meaningful. Mm -hmm. Cleveland just came off a win against the AFC North leaders, the Baltimore Ravens to keep them. They really keep their playoff hopes alive because they were probably done, done, done if they lose that game. So now we roll into it. They're now going into this game without their starting quarterback, without their number one receiver, without their number one tight end, without a couple of guards, that's going to leave their backup quarterback who has won a game with them. And of course they have Nick Chubb who has already done a a stint on the COVID reserve list after he tested positive for COVID. The Raiders on the other hand are coming off an absolute blowout against the chiefs. And I talked a lot about that. They went and danced all over the arrowhead logo and ended up losing 48 to nine, three turnovers, that kind of thing. However, um, before yesterday, I would have had Cleveland as the favorite, and I would have been saying Cleveland's going to win this game. It's now looking advantage Raiders. I don't know. Do you feel sorry for Cleveland? <laughs> like, what? what's just your whole thoughts on take your fandom out of the way? Like, just is this not the worst time that this could have happened for any team? Oh, absolutely. Anywhere? It's, it's you know, it's and it's a very sen- sensitive subject with a lot of people, you know, talking about that. Uh, the good old, you know, if it had to happen to any team, you figured it was Cleveland, right? You know, the mistake on the lake, you know, a lot of times people always like to make fun of Cleveland. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say you'd have to give the advantage to Raiders. You know what? And we talked about the we talked about the Minnesota game last week versus Pittsburgh. And for a half, I was pretty right about that being a blowout. And then they made a game of it. But you look at all the things, unless they're conditioned to go out there like that. I mean, because Mayfield has been hurt before you know they have lost their running back they have lost a receiver and a tight end before i think you're replacing so many different parts of that offense that it's going to be held together with you know bubble gum and band-aids i don't know if you're going to have enough firepower in in order to do that but then again like you said the raiders are coming off of a, a game where they scored nine points so how much firepower are they going to have so i would definitely give the edge to the raiders in that which um as far as you know trying to keep their playoff hopes alive in that in that messy division of, as far as the west goes with the chargers and the chiefs there um you know and the raiders have not had a very smooth year anyway you know with the you know the firing of gruden that it's happened there so they're more used to the, the constant change and the chaos and, and one of their best receivers going to prison <laughs> <laughs> i was i was getting to that but yeah you're <laughs> one of that their cornerbacks on... just getting fired for uttering death threats with with automatic firearms on instagram it's been a rough year i keep saying that they need to go back to oakland because nothing has gone right since they went to vegas oh my god in vegas yeah but you know what though it's very consistent with the history of both of those teams as far as the browns and the raiders go maybe they'll tie you know maybe maybe they'll come out and they'll they'll tie three to three and end it all for everybody what a spectacular finish so i do (laughs) want to pull a couple comments up before we go somewhere else just because um, a couple of them are funny you probably saw them uh, McChicken yeah. wants to know if the Bills miss the playoffs, will you wear the suit and hat for the Bills funeral just as you did for the Chiefs funeral? Now you got to explain this to me. Okay. All right. So um, as you know, um, 
we are not as objective as we want to be on our show. We sometimes will dive into the hysteria and the mood of the game and whatnot. When the Buffalo Bills defeated the Kansas City Chiefs, I wore a black suit, black shirt, black tie with a fedora. And I usually wear a goofy winter hat when the Bills win on our show. However, I wore that and I said, well, I'm here to celebrate because we're at the funeral for the Chiefs because they're done. Obviously, I was mistaken since the Chiefs decided to rattle off like six wins after that. So that blew up in your face a little bit. It did a little bit. It's, um, hey, guys, I don't know why people listen to me. Everyone wants to throw stuff in my face. David's been on me the whole time in the chat. McChicken always likes to do that. But um, if that was when the Bills are officially out of it, you will get a post game or a regular episode where I will don the, uh, the Don outfit and uh, pay tribute to the Buffalo Bills 2021 season. I will definitely do that. You have to tell me when you do that, because as as you know, I you am might more, be on that show, right? <laughs> well, because as you know, I am more of a you guys in the car watcher than I am yes. your your live watcher. So, yes. um, Ross, I missed this. I apologize. Is Mary, how you holding up? Hello from Puerto Rico. Hi from Puerto Rico. Uh, we're we're doing good over here, Ross. I always love to see all of the, all of the stuff that you have uh, lined up for your screenshots. So. There you go. There's one for you. You can light that one up later, there, Ross. Let me know. Oh yeah, and he's gonna he's gonna Photoshop that, and he's oh, gonna absolutely. cut you out. And I cannot wait. I'm gonna be glued to Twitter after that. So what happened to Mr. Smug, the guy who predicted the Bats would win six game in his Jills thirteen? Ooh, we did I predict there. thirteen? I think I went it, when we did a preseason episode. I went twelve and five, and I got hammered by by Buffalo Bills fans, and they said, "Well, twelve, we're only gonna lose." We're going to lose five games. Name the five. I'm like, guys, this is Buffalo Bills are in a very different position now this year. They're playing, as Ray mentioned, all first place teams now. You're playing a very tough schedule once you win your division and go to the AFC Championship game. That is just naturally what happens when the schedule comes out. Uh, there were some teams, like I said, the Buffalo Bills run defense. I said it to be in August that I was, did not trust this run defense. And there are some teams that can run the damn ball that they were going to have to play. And I always predicted the split with uh, the Patriots. I still do. So as long as the hoodie's there, I will predict a split with the Patriots every single year. I don't care if the Patriots have zero wins going into that game and it's like week 13, which won't happen. But my point is this, I will always predict a split. To clarify the other point, I predicted six, and I even posted on our old Twitter account, to rile Ray up on my show because you guys know better than anybody, when he gets fired up, it is great television. So and, and and you know what for for everybody to know there's only yeah. two things in this world that riles me up stupid comments in the chat and Mario <laughs> there's no YouTuber podcast host anything anywhere who can like I just stay stoic the whole time the only one who can get me fired up and get me mad is this dick right over there okay a couple more things my boy Chevy uh agrees with you says McDermott is responsible for the culture change within Buffalo his spot is solidified that's a great point. Uh, my boy Snap Time did not agree with me. He says, nope, no moral victories at this point of the season. Only losers need moral victories at this point of the season, yep. which is right. Um, and he wants to know, is that hashtag free ha or is hashtag free hashtag still trending? It is not. They have a new Twitter. It's further up in the chat. It's at hashtag two, the number two point, P-O-I-N-T, zero. zero. Yep. And, and I just put it in there. Yeah, we 
Uh, Connor and I had a battle between Tyler Bash and Nick Folk, which Nick Folk won that battle too because our Twitter got banned. So. Got banned forever for life. Have they answered your appeal yet? Uh, they have not answered it yet. They said seven to ten business days, which you know what we we had some active members on Twitter. We had around thirty one hundred. Uh, Paul had tweeted out that if we get five thousand by Christmas. Which we have like fifteen right now, but if we get 19. five thousand, I've been 19. watching daily. Yeah. <laughs> I've been watching five thousand by Christmas. Mario jumps off his roof through, through a, a plastic table. Through a pl- oh plastic one? Oh okay. Oh, I'm demanding plastic. Five thousand? I don't have five thousand. I am demanding plastic for five thousand followers. What did McChicken say? They said if it was on ten k, if it was on fire. Ten <laughs> k, they'll do it on fire. Yeah. <laughs> McChicken says that Nick Folk works with the FBI. Uh, a source of Connors who's probably responsible for the Twitter <laughs> ban. All right. No more. All right. Too many inside jokes. Got another story to get yes, to. Absolutely. Um, so the NFL is discussing significant COVID-19 protocols. Let me go on my little soapbox here for a second. Uh, I've written three articles on the Dean Blundell, DeanBlundell.com now about my last three pieces have all been about COVID around the NFL. And it, this has nothing to do with vaccinations or nothing like this. What I said was, is last year the NFL did a better job of stopping the spread. It was confirmed today, by the way, just minutes ago by the top doctor in the NFL, that most of the spread is happening with inside facilities, even though the NFL has been denying it for a week, saying that it was all community transition. I said, you don't have 14 Cleveland Browns going on the IR and none of it was spread through the facility. I mean, there's too much of a coincidence there. I used a guy like Jordan Love as a prime example, fully vaccinated, wears a mask within the facility. So he's like, you know, going beyond the protocols, tested positive for COVID-19, had to sit out. And you might say, well, it's only Jordan Love. Well, no, but this is my whole point. Mm-hmm. The protocol should have been in place. Vaccinations do not, they help with people contracting it, but people with the vaccine catch COVID. We know that that's the science behind it. It's supposed to help you if you do catch it. So my whole thing is they need to to, to put better protocols into place for this season. We talked about it at the beginning of the year. COVID's not going away. We need to keep, we need to treat this season like we did last year. You can have people in the stands, that kind of thing, but you need to keep the social distance and you need to keep the guys healthy outside of the Tennessee Titans. And I think the, the Baltimore Ravens last season, everybody held out pretty well one or two guys or something might have caught it but not you know this mass eight teams in the covid protocol right now that they're at home and they're not in their facility they're on they're on in an outbreak eight with four games guys four games left in the season tomorrow night week what 15 starts Mm mm-hmm and you're talking about you're looking at teams like we, we talked about the green bay or sorry the cleveland browns who are fighting for a playoff spot what happens if Josh Allen tests positive? What happens if Mac Jones and Damian Harris test positive? What happens, you know, all these teams, I mean, so Lamar Jackson, the NFL has to put protocols into place. They're now, it was, this just came out as we were talking here. Uh, it's sort of, I've been waiting for this all day to come out and it finally yeah. came out today or it finally just came out. Um, the NFLPA and the NFL have been working on these things together. They're looking at doing things like putting in mask policies. They are looking at putting in social distance policies. The NFLPA has said the NFL decided to take away uh, critical weapons in our fight against the transmission of COVID-19 despite our union's call for daily testing months ago. We're talking to our player leadership and the NFL of potential changes to the protocol so that we can complete 
this season. So going back to daily testing so that there isn't spread within the organ within the thing. I'm not saying put a vaccine vaccine policy into place. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying put those tests back in, put the things back in so that if one guy is positive, like Cam Newton was last year, it doesn't spread through a whole team. And you have this organization coming out and, and putting out a mandate that tier one and tier two coaches have to get a booster shot. is not going to stop the spread of COVID in your locker room. You've got to put in those protocols to make sure that guys aren't giving to each other to try to save this season. Because I'm now, I said this last year, but it was probably a little more far-fetched. I can now very easily, we're, we're weeks away from the playoffs. What happens when we're watching the AFC championship game and both Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes can't play? Or both Mac Jones and whoever can't play because they're home. And and we're, I think we're at more risk this season of that happening than we were last season. What what are your thoughts? Uh, <clears throat> we we had talked about this previously. It's it's a lot different in the NFL than it is for, for the NBA and um, the NHL because they were you could encompass the NHL and the NBA in a bubble. And you could play all your games at one court, or you can play all of them on the one sheet of ice, and you can play on one. You know, you can do all that stuff. You can't do that with the NFL. So, p- putting certain uh, conditions in place for that, and and the other thing is actually a, good, a step in the right direction. But like you said before, you're not going to stop the, sp- the spread by being vaccinated. People think you know if you get vaccinated, then oh, you can walk, run around without a mask, go do this and that. You can't do that stuff. But you start to look at it in, in the broader scope of things. You got the NHLPA, who is, are concerned about their players, concerned about getting the benefits for the players. That ain't the, the um, or the NFLPA. The NFL is mainly concerned with making money. If you had Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game, and both of them couldn't play, do you know what the NFL stands to lose for that game? I mean, they are coming at this with dollar signs behind them, which is, re, you know, perhaps this season they, they may not have, they shouldn't have had fans come back to the same. I'm not saying that affected anything, but what I'm saying is maybe you should have had another year, another year of research, another year coming in here where um, you didn't have fans in the stands. But you know what the, the NFL said? Listen, our salary cap didn't go up for a reason. It's because we didn't make any money. Now with the fans in the stands, they, they project another 23 million, 28 million. That's going to go up. So all of that being considered, you can see what really drives the decisions. And it's unfortunate that money is driving medical decisions that are going on right now. Well, yeah. And I think where my frustration comes, and I did write this in my piece today, I said, we all saw what's been happening in Europe. We knew yeah. Europe's always been the, we've always been in North America. I'm in Canada. Mario's in the United States. We've always sort of been at the same place at the same time. For the most part, we've always been a month behind Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Like we look what Europe's doing. 108,000 cases a day in Germany, 108,000 cases a day in the country of Germany alone. Here's the thing. I watched the Bundesliga, the German soccer league. Okay. Four weeks ago, full stadiums, hundred thousand people. Last two weeks, empty stadiums. They're now back to empty stadiums. They're now mm-hmm. because they're being decimated. We saw it coming. You didn't have to get to a point of this. And all I'm saying is protect the players so they don't catch it. And you can do that yeah. by doing daily testing. As soon as someone tests positive, go home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Don't hang in the facility for three days before your next test. 
give it to 15 guys and then get tested and test positive. And that's why 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 guys are all testing positive within a day or two of each other because it's not daily testing. I don't care if you're vaccinated or not. Put a mask on. You know, like what happened to the shields that used to be between the lockers? Those are gone now. So guys can talk and chat and breathe all over each other. And yeah, you know, we just here in Canada and Ontario today, they just made an announcement. They just reduced capacities in stadiums and theaters up by 50%. We are full stadiums. We're now down to 50%. Why? Because we, we went back to, we're open. We, we never stopped masking. That was a policy, but outside of that, everything was full capacity. Everything was great um and we're up to you know 18 i think we had 1800 cases today and this new mm. new variant is is very very contagious i know this sounds selfish this has nothing to do with player safety in my mind this has nothing to do with public safety this has to do with four weeks left of the nfl season then <laughs> the playoffs and then the super bowl and we're now going into a time where outbreak this isn't week four yeah. where we're like okay you know, they can figure this out. It's week 15. Who's interested now? Be on unless maybe the Bills fans are, but maybe not because they're in the playoff spot. Unless you're a team that's fighting it out with the Browns to try to get that wild card spot. Who's interested in this game this weekend? I'm not anymore. I really couldn't care anymore. No. I couldn't not. care to watch a six and seven team and a six and six team, whatever they are. Couldn't care less to watch them play missing with one team missing basically their starting offense and a bunch of their starting defenders. Don't care whatsoever. That's it's like watching during a strike here. It's like watching a team during a strike here. It's like watching the Patriots and Chiefs on Monday night football, watching Brian Hoyer versus Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Nobody cared about that game outside of Patriots and Chiefs fans. You know what I mean? And it Which, was true affects the bottom line of the nfl yes you, you're you're 100 on that ray all right That's, let's get off the the covid talk always gets the the chat all riled up so it let's, did it did and and we're <laughs> and what are we saying we're not even like taking a political side on anything we're just no like, no stop it's all the about spread safety. in the locker room we it's both said it and to enjoy a, you know like you said a little self to enjoy a game that we enjoy watching with the players that we have grown accustomed to seeing on a week-to-week -week yeah. basis now they're not going to be there because your protocols are just now catching up with the new variant like come on yeah. now all right i'm going to move on i'm not going to share any of the comments i'm just going to move on to our next subject here and that is the patriots who needs to step up against the indianapolis colts i have identified a few guys but i'm really interested Maybe not from a player standpoint, but what Mario thinks, considering he's, you know, as a Buffalo Bills fan, he's seen the Indianapolis Colts. He's seen the New England Patriots. Of course, he kind of saw the New England Patriots. He didn't see the full Patriots game plan. However, when I look at this game this weekend, it all comes down to Jonathan Taylor. Mm -hmm. And I was asked at the beginning of the season, way before this game was even a thing, how do the Patriots stop Derrick Henry? And I said, you don't. You don't stop Derrick Henry. You slow Derrick Henry down. You try to mitigate damage with Derrick Henry and take away everything else. And I think that's the way the Patriots have to approach this game against Indy. You can't sell out to stop Jonathan Taylor because they'll start throwing the ball to Michael Pittman. They'll start throwing it to one of their three good tight ends. It, it, the, the Colts don't have to be a one-dimensional team. Carson Wentz has been a lot better than people are actually giving him credit for this year. He's mm -hmm. got a receiving core. This Patriots team and this Colts team, too, in my opinion, is probably the closest. I said today, this is going to feel like a really competitive inter-squad practice between these teams, be, these two teams, because 
they're very similar in how they're set up, how they function, how their defense is set up, and the coaching is very similar. Don't stop Jonathan Taylor this weekend. I need guys like D- Kyle Duggar to come up and help slow him down. You need to – it's all going to come down to the front four. Gotcha. Christian Barmore, Lawrence Guy. Uh, those are going to be the big names that got to try to contain. If you can hold Jonathan Taylor to 90 yards – four yards a carry keep it under you know keep it four or under i'm not even saying keep it three under keep it at four or under don't get it to 4.2 4.3 4.4 because if once you start getting those 4.4 4.5s that means he's busting off the 20 yard runs you know what i mean mm-hmm. keep it to that four contain him i trust the patriots secondary against this colts receiver against these colts receivers you can play man to man on them they're not speed guys per se they're more those big strong 50 50 guys the patriots have the backs to cover that and the colts have already told you the game plan they're going to try to stop the run game and make the patriots one-dimensional you're in a dome the wind's not blowing mac jones we've seen it on your arm before we've seen you put up 300 yards we've seen you have the games I think that's the man who's going to have to step up the biggest in this game because I do believe they're going to slow down the Patriots' run. I'm predicting the Patriots' running backs are going to run an average of 3.5 yards per carry this game because that's how good the interior of the Colts' defense is. It's going to become a one-dimensional game, and it's going to be on the shoulder of Mac Jones and in the head of Josh McDaniels to draw up some stuff and make sure that you're moving that ball across the field. But I'm going to ask you, what do you see in this game, Colts-Patriots? I think that you can't have one without the other, Ray. The two points that you made kind of hinge off of each other. Now, you're looking at Barrymore. You're looking at Guy. You're looking at that defense. You say, you do not stop Jonathan Taylor. Well, you do stop Jonathan Taylor, but you do not do it with any defender. You do it with Mac Jones. They're daring you to throw the ball. This is the reason why you drafted this guy and moved up and got him 15th. This is why, you know what? They want to put it in Mac Jones's hands. I believe that McDaniel's is salivating over this because this is that this is going to be the game where, okay, where you're going to dare us to throw the ball. You want Mac Jones, our rookie quarterback, to throw the ball? Fine, uh, we will do just that, and we will put up such a lead that you can't just run 28 between the tackles and try to wear down this defense. We will force you to be one dimensional in the aspect of throwing the ball. And, okay, I will take J.C. Jackson on Michael Pittman all day. I will take that matchup. If I were, if I was a Patriots fan, I would take that all day. So I think you, you make some very solid points here. Okay, if you want to hold him to 90 yards, great. Four yards of carry is kind of much for me. But then again, he's going to rush for 90 yards. Four yards of carry is what? I think someone brought up, brought up a great point in the chat. Uh, David, he said, who cares how many yards he gets? The Titans got 270 yards on 13 points. And you only got scored 13 points. I think that's a great point. But then if you look at it, you say, listen, Mac Jones, if Mac Jones comes out and puts three hundo and four touchdowns up, you're not even going to hear 28's name unless they're throwing swing passes to him out of the backfield. So I think what the game plan should be for the New England Patriots is to try to get out early and often so that you can run the ball and you can control the clock and you can control how much 28 will actually be an, an impact on this game. So let's look at a couple of the comments here. Delusional Patriot fan says, I thought Mac was pretty good versus zone, which the Colts play. And 
a, a typical Patriots offense is good against zone because the Patriots offense will get will take what you give them. And a lot oh. of times zone mm-hmm. gives you the middle of the field to work with. And when you got tight ends like Hunter Henry or you got Kendrick Bourne who can work the middle of the field and Jacoby Myers, of course, um, they're going to take you. Yeah, I like David's point as well. Right. Who cares uh, how many yards he gets? You know, the Titans got 270 and 13 points. Absolutely. However, this Colts team has the weapons to score more points. Their red zone offense can be dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing about this Colts team, too, what's going to be big, which I didn't mention, is the turnover differential. Very similar to the Patriots. I think it's like the two best turnover differential teams in the league. So this really could come down to who protects the football. Terry says, uh, offensively, the Pats have to play spread offense, hurry up, and keep Indy's defense off balance. And yeah, I you know, and I've said this because of the last game the Patriots ran the ball you know whatever 140 times and threw three times and I said it really wouldn't surprise me if Mac Jones because it's the Patriots came out and threw the ball for the first like 15 plays of the game just because everybody's expecting the ball on the ground type of thing um so I agree with a lot of you guys we are um we are (laughs) new guy some new guy um (laughs) We got two more stories here that we want to get to. Um, One of them I think is hilarious. One is, so we'll start with the more serious one, even though it's not on the, the, the here, but uh, this is not the funny story. Obviously Cardinals wide receiver, Deandre Hopkins, he's going to miss the remainder of the regular season. He's trying to get a second opinion. They think he could be back for the playoffs. Assuming Arizona doesn't have a total collapse. They just got knocked off the top of the AFC. I'm going to throw out there that this entire season, this offense is completely hindered on the success of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, AJ Green is a good wide re- is a good wide receiver. Don't get me wrong, and he can ball out when he has DeAndre Hopkins taking pressure off the other side. Mm-hmm. This team all year, if you've watched them, when there's been injuries to either Murray, okay, which is fine, it's starting quarterback, you expect a team to struggle with the starting quarterback. But with Murray not in the in, in in the lineup or DeAndre Hopkins not in the lineup, this Arizona team has struggled offensively. And one of the things that I've noticed about this Arizona defense is when their offense is going three and out, that's when they start to just collapse. They can't they can't sustain those three and outs, those three and outs, those three and outs. And I've had these conversations about the Patriots in the past. People are like, oh look, the Patriots defense is collapsing, and I'm like, the offense has just went three. I'll I'll even say. As good as the Buffalo Bills were on Sunday night, the Buccaneers went three and out or or six and out a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's going to start putting tremendous pressure on the defense. That defense is going to get tired. They're not getting the rest time in between, and that's going to carry that momentum over. I think if DeAndre Hopkins is out for the season, they better hope they have him for, out for the back for the playoffs because I think that this Arizona team is in a lot of trouble without DeAndre Hopkins. But I'm turning to you. What do you think, D-Hop, out for the rest of the regular season? What, what, what are you thinking over there in Arizona? From the 20 to the 20, you can keep him because DeAndre Hopkins currently has 42 receptions this year, the lowest total he's ever had over a 10-game stretch since his rookie season where he had 38. The biggest number that you have to focus on, which I took a little bit of a deep dive, is that DeAndre Hopkins currently has eight passing or has eight reception uh, receiving touchdowns this year. All of them, all of those touchdowns, are in the red zone. The next closest guy is AJ Green that has two, and with Kyler Murray having nineteen total touchdowns as it is, thirteen of those touchdowns have come in the red zone. Eight of them to DeAndre Hopkins. So. You're talking to me when you get in the red zone and you, you agree with me on this, Ray, if you're in the red zone and you take three, you're going to lose a lot of games. 
You're just going to lose games. If, if you get in the red zone, you got to punch it in. You're talking about a guy that every single one of his touchdown receptions that he has this year, he's caught eight of 12 targets for 89 yards and eight touchdowns in the red zone. That is where this guy is going to be missed because then the focus now shifts over to James Conner and um, Kyler Murray. So Kyler Murray, actually, he has five rushing touchdowns in the red zone. He's got 13 passing touchdowns in the red zone of his 19, but eight of those, like we said, were um, DeAndre Hopkins. That is and where if, he, sorry, that's why you I, have him. Yeah. And if I can just strengthen your point for the Patriots, yeah. we know a majority of the people watching here are Patriots fans. And then the Bills fans, for whatever reason, thank you all, though. I appreciate all of you guys, even though I like to poke fun at you. Um, <laughs> when you think about the New England Patriots, though, when you think about the 2-4 and four Patriots and now the 7-0 and o Patriots, what's the biggest difference? Red zone scoring, right? What was our biggest complaint? Field goals, right? Uh, F- five for five in the red zone, zero touchdowns. Five for five in the red zone, one touchdown right like it, it's yep. because in, in four field goals that's why you know nick folk the legend has become a legend because the guy's always on the field kicking football you know kicking field goals um yeah you have to score yeah and you're right deandre hopkins is gonna be a big big problem there and you can't you can't win kicking three on a consistent basis absolutely yeah so that is where hopkins is going to be sorely missed like i said he has his lowest reception total since his rookie season obviously he missed some time but you're talking about this guy's played 10 games, has eight red zone touchdowns. That is I, that's gotta be a stat somewhere. You gotta tweet that later, Ray. You gotta, you gotta tweet that later. But uh we had a, we had someone say uh, James Conner is your next biggest one. You see, 12 of his 14 touchdowns are in the red zone. So it's not a matter of getting there. They're able to get to the red zone without the help of DeAndre Hopkins. It's the matter of trying to push the ball into the end zone once you're finally there. Larry Fitzgerald return. That's my take. We heard that Larry's starting to to, to health up. Um, <laughs> somebody made the comparison to Marshawn Lynch returning to Seattle for their playoff run. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Larry Fitzgerald is not Larry Fitzgerald from three years ago. We know that from four years ago, five years ago. However, a fresh Larry Fitzgerald who has no football under him this year to come in maybe week 17 so he can get week 17 and 18 under his belt just to get a little bit back into football shape and go into the playoffs may not be a bad thing for Arizona because I don't think anybody's going to be upset that Larry's walking back into that dressing room. No. And, uh, and God, if anybody knows that offense, it's Larry Fitzgerald. Absolutely. And Larry Fitzgerald, there was a, t- a statistic that came out, I think, last year at some point where over the past, like, 10 years, uh, Larry Fitzgerald has more tackles than drops <laughs> like are you serious right That's now amazing. with that it's like That's it's like amazing. the old statistic of uh, mariano rivera i don't know if you guys are yankees fans but like it said like more people have walked on the moon than have scored on mariano rivera in the postseason <laughs> you know what's amazing about mariano rivera too who's was i had zero issues him going in first ballot hall of famer best best closer ever mm-hmm. dude had one pitch like that's just a fucking cutter. You know what I mean? You knew what was coming. You knew it was coming, and you still could. That's what I love, that he basically looked at you and said, yeah, I'm throwing the cutter. <laughs> Only David Ortiz knew how to hit, hit, knew how to hit Mariano yep. Rivera. Everybody else, in every all-star game, you'd see every pitcher in the fucking dugout with, with you know, trying to hold their cutter and seeing how he threw his cutter. <laughs> oh, my God. It was amazing. It was amazing to watch that guy play. The glory days of uh, so did you know that I so I've been to three Yankee games here, uh, against the Blue Jays. Yes, and in all three games I went to, Rivera blew the save. 
Stop like, it. What are the odds that Rivera is going to go 0 and 3? And here's the best part. One of those games, I had to go I was working midnights at that time at a, at the at a halfway house. And it was like 9:30, quarter to 10. Blue Jays are da- are down Yankees are up 4 to 2. It goes into the 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 bottom of the ninth. I leave. Mariano's on the mound. You know what I mean? Like pack it in. We're good. I'm in the car as the Blue Jays tie it up. It goes to like 13 innings after that because of Mariano fucking blows. It's like <laughs> another game. Here, here's a, here's when I got a, a someone a scalper took advantage of me. I um I go down Yankees Blue Jays on a Saturday. Worst time to go to to Sky Dome is on a Saturday. Get with the Yankees in town because all the fucking New Yorkers and and Rochester's and Buffalo's all come up. The place is packed, right? Yeah. Go to a scalper. I need three. It's me, my wife, and like my I think my daughter was like three years old at the time. Right? I need three. Buy the tickets. Guy fucking quickly walks away. As soon as he quickly walked away, I was like motherfucker. Like I just knew it. Right? Yeah. I looked down at the tickets. Yeah, three tickets for that day fucking different sections different fucking there's a family and he sells me three fucking tickets nowhere near each other you know what i mean like you motherfuckers so we go in with the three tickets and we're walking around the stadium trying to find empty seats right so we finally find these three empty seats most of my audience knows i'm there in my yankee jersey you know what i mean like i'm all and uh a yankee sucks chant goes across my three-year-old starts chanting Yankee sucks. Broke my <laughs> broke my heart. <laughs> Anyways, one nothing game, the entire game. Oh my Mari- God. Mariano Rivera onto the mound. The next game was when I think he blew his knee out in fucking shagging oh. flies. Because oh, it was boy. in Toronto that he blew his knee, shagging flies in the fucking throws the cutter. Fucking Aaron Hill, second baseman, I'll never forget. Fucking hits a home run and ties the game. It goes 17 innings. Dude, my three-year-old, like a fucking trooper for <laughs> 17 innings of baseball. Never whined, never squirmed, like never. She just fucking chilled out and watched the game. It was phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. We stayed for the whole thing. And the Blue Jays won. Fuck, eventually the Blue Jays won. Josh Johnson, who was their starting pitcher at the, uh, starting pitcher at the time, came out and uh and pitched for them in the 17th and the blue jays finally won it on aaron hill again and aaron hill double to uh to win the game oh my god insane i got a i got a really uh, amusing toronto story when when uh my brother and my father and i went to a game up in toronto it was pretty hysterical we, we were scalping tickets outside and this guy was asking some insane price and then he goes my father was like, "You love those tickets? Take them home with you." And then he goes, well, "We'll be over here when you're ready to, ready to go." And then we're like, "My brother and I, we're younger. We're like, we want to get in the game. What's going on?" He goes, "Wait till the national anthem. He'll be back." So he came back with two tickets. So he sold. My father bought the two tickets. Said, "Go in there. Take your brother. Go in there. Here's the binoculars. Go ahead. Go watch the game." He goes. He said he was going to probably go to the bar or try to get in if he could. About the sixth inning, we're up on third base line, looking down. My brother slaps me in the chest. <laughs> and I go, what? He goes, gives me the binoculars. Two seats behind the dugout, freaking talking to Cito Gaston. Is your dad? Is my father. <laughs> I go, son of a bitch. Like, we walk down there to try to get down there, and we look, and he's sitting there in the seat. He goes, 
You, you motherfuckers left me like an orphan out on the street. What you want me to do? <laughs> He's sitting next to the guy that sold us the tickets. Because this guy had extra tickets. <laughs> he goes, I'm like, oh, that's amazing. my God. It was it was hysterical. Like, out of the whole stadium, he ends up finding my father down. Were you seeing Yankees? Uh, oh, God. I can't even remember who the opponent was at this point. But this was it was during the heyday of when they had oh, Carter 90s, and Molitor. 90s, it was 90s. In the 90s, yeah. Are you a Blue Jay fan? I was a Paul Molitor fan at that okay. point. Okay. So, so, yeah, so I, back, I followed back him then. since Milwaukee. So. so when you got into the early 2000s and the Blue Jays sucked – Here's so I meet my wife in 2005. It's when we first start dating. I say to her, You want to go down to a Blue Jay game? She says, Sure. We go to the box office, the fucking box office, okay? 20, <laughs> 20 minutes before first pitch. I say, What's the best tickets you have? The guy looks at me and he goes, I got four seats behind home plate. I'm like, I'll take them. 20 boom, minutes? Boom, oh boom. 120 bucks a ticket, whatever. But, you know, go there. Beautiful seats, okay? Watching the Washington Nationals. First year there in Washington, leaving Montreal, I think it was that year. Mm-hmm. Um, Roy Halliday's on the mound. What more can I ask for? Your four rows, <laughs> your four seats fucking behind on play watching Doc Holliday pitch. <laughs> I'm sitting beside these two guys from Boston who can't fucking believe they got these tickets. The guy's <laughs> on his, The guy's on his flip phone. With the that's when the cameras first came out. Oh remember that? my god! And he's videoing, and he's like making his. Remember, when you can only do like thirty second videos. He's yeah. doing a video, and he's like, "Game day, an hour before at the box <laughs> office." Because <laughs> of fucking Fenway, you're not gonna get that, right? It's oh like, oh my a, god, no. So, dude, so when the Blue Jays went back to the playoffs there a couple of years ago, back in like I think 2015, my dad. So I always make so. I, Another time I go, I see the Detroit Lions. Pudge Pudge is playing when he's put Detroit, right? Mm. Uh, Curtis Granderson was still on the team at that point in Detroit. Yep. Good players. I bought off a scalpers, 30 bucks a ticket, 15 rows up behind home plate. 30 bucks a ticket, a Friday night, my wife and I. Beautiful seats. Probably the better than the four four rows behind home. 20 rows up behind home plate was just the perfect view of everything. Fucking 30 bucks a ticket. My dad and my sister in 2015 go to watch the, I think it was Kansas City versus the Blue Jays in the in the ALCS. Nosebleeds. My dad said he should have went to the top of the CN Tower and watched the game because he would have had a better view than he had in the fucking rod. That's how high there. <laughs> like he's like he literally was against the wall at the very top of the nosebleeds. 250 bucks a ticket. Oh, I, I paid 30 bucks to sit fucking 30 rows or 20 rows i mean behind home plate they pay fucking 250 bucks to sit like in the rafters to watch this fucking game and the blue jays lose like 10-1 it was, it was just oh my god that is oh. all right let, let's let's talk about a little bit of funny so the panthers have now activated quarterback sam darnold off the ir if there was any team that <laughs> didn't need a quarterback controversy it wasn't a Sam Darnold versus Cam Newton controversy. Matt Rule, who Panther fans are begging and screaming and pleading with the Carolina owner to fire this season, mm-hmm. now has to make a decision whether he goes with Sam Darnold, who since week three has struggled every game that he's been in, or does he go with Cam Newton, who's had one impressive performance since coming back to the NFL? Superman has looked more like an old dead Superman and uh, or Superman's dog, I guess. And 
Sam Darnold is uh, not the best quarterback in the NFL, the way Jets fans once described him to me when he was a New York Jet. So, Mario, what does Carolina do in a situation where you've got two, let's say what it is, bad quarterbacks? Yeah. One who is multidimensional, who can run the football, can probably score you more touchdowns than the other. Or the other guy who's more of your traditional pocket, throw the football, throw interceptions, and they're both going to throw interceptions. So who do you go with? You're Matt Rule. What do you do? Is is there a battle? Is there a Sam Darnold versus Cam Newton battle at practice this week to see who's going to be the starter? I think that for a lot of people, this is not an on-the-field decision that gets made. You gave up multiple assets and uh, exercise the fifth year option, which was Sam Darnold's fifth year option is worth $18 million, which is going to be a ridiculous dead money bomb. If you tried to get rid of that, which no team is going to take on at this point, uh, it's guaranteed as we know, fifth year options now are guaranteed, uh, versus Cam Newton, who you had as a rental when he was hurt. Cam Newton in his limited time, I think he's played four games, started three. He has seven touchdowns but he also has five turnovers in those games with three picks and two fumbles. Uh, I don't, I think this is long-term. This is, you know what, when you become a GM and we've seen this all the time, not that I have any NFL experience. I just go on the history of what's going on in the NFL. You get your GM, you get your head coach, you get your quarterback, you give them time to develop. It's not one season and out. It's not this, that, a lot of quarterbacks that have been acquired by teams have saved head coaches' jobs when when fan bases and whatnot have wanted them fired. It's like, wait, no, I just need my guy in there. Take it from someone who's been through a futile Bills team over the past 20 years. There was a coach that should have been fired, but a new quarterback comes into town, hopefully trying to turn the tables. It does not happen, but those things require time. Newton, it's not like he's coming back to the Carolina. He left. He never played for this head coach. So it's not like he's coming back to a system that he is very comfortable with in playing. He may have some familiar faces there, but it's not the same system. Cam Newton was a rental to try to help a struggling franchise put more seats, you know, fill more seats in order to get more a little bit more revenue in the time of Darnold's absence. When Darnold comes back, I believe that he is the best of a worst scenario for the time being until – Carolina will, you know, move forward and try to develop his program in, in that fashion. So you've just upset a whole lot of Cam Newton defenders, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, not one of the stories, but just something that came out today as a Buffalo Bills fan. Oh boy. No, no, it's actually not about Buffalo. I'm just wondering how you'd feel. Like if Bill Belichick did this, I'd be like, whatever, he's Bill. Bill can do whatever he wants. He can light Gillette Stadium on fire if he wants. Like he's earned that right to do as he pleases. He's like Coach K to me. Coach yeah. K, he can do anything he wants at Duke at this point. Yeah. How would you feel if during warmups you heard that Sean McDermott was kicking the punter? Just just give him a kicking kick right the in the punter? leg. A kick right in the leg. So former punter in, in Jacksonville was talking telling a story today that while well, in his time there uh during warm-ups he was stretching and urban meyer kicked him in the leg during practice right in the hamstring and said don't fuck up your kicks today that's serious? a true it's a true fucking story. what the fuck is going on with urban meyer like things are just falling apart and oh my god like I, it's it, it's time to fire him i 
I was always a little suspect of Urban Meyer. He was down in Florida. Then Nick Saban goes to LA uh, or goes to Alabama. All of a sudden, his whole talent that he recruited left, and now he wants to work. You know, he wants to focus on his health and focus on his family. Oh wait, the Ohio State job opened up. You know, what I mean, it's like. You know, I'm an OSU fan, so that didn't bother me whatsoever. When I no, no, but I was like, okay, man. Days. That was like a, I think it was like a year or two later. I was like, okay, man, all right, you're fine now. You had enough for your family. You want to go back to coaching, like you know, Big Ten school. Well, but come on, I, you, you've been there. You've been there. There's only so much of the family we can take. Come on. I, <laughs> oh my god. But I, I have never really been a huge fan of my. He never really bothered me, but I was never a huge fan of him. But what's going on in Jacksonville, or shall I say, the London Jaguars? Um, what's going to happen? I, I don't even know. I, that thing is, is like one big frat house down there. And you know, you, you got that, you get, is he trying to be like Mike Ditka and just be so over the top that people just think he's okay. Well, that's urban. That's oh, that silly guy. Look what he's doing. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going down in Jacksonville, man. That is crazy down there. I never understood that franchise. It's absolutely fantastic, guys. I got to get out of here at 9 30. I'm over at the uh, AFC East round table that Tyson asked me to cover tonight. I think it's with, oh, Dan, boy. with Dan Mitchell, TD, and uh, and Richie. I like Richie. I like Dan. I like TD. They're fun oh, guys. Oh, man. To be a fly on the wall. I might, I might have to watch that tonight. You don't have to be a fly on the wall. You can be an audience member. I, you know, <laughs> there's, yes. It's, it's, sim- it's simple enough, man. It is. It is. Way to, way to show up. Mario, why don't, uh, before I take my minute and a half here to talk about myself, why don't you tell this fine audience where they can find your wonderful content? Yes, you can find our content uh, at all the socials except for Twitter at HTAG Sports. We're on Instagram, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. And we're also on mainly on YouTube, uh, hashtag sports. You can also find us on Twitter at uh, hashtag 2.0. Uh, we have post game. We have uh, Wednesday night pick'em, um, which over if you go over to hashtag sports right now, we have our pick'em. Uh, Joe Sharp does his razor sharp picks every week. Uh, we have a Friday night tailgate. Um, we we have, Joe also calls the games on on Sundays, and then we also have our post games. So where Paul and I both argue furiously about the panic mode that the Buffalo Bills are in right now. So. If you went over there a couple of weeks ago, you would have saw me on there as I cracked jokes and they didn't laugh because they were upset that the Patriots beat them. So it was, uh, it was okay, though. I, Guys, of, <laughs> of course, you can find all of my content all over the Internet as well. I'm on YouTube, Twitter, Newsbreak, Patreon, all the podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Of course, find the podcast and my blogs over at my, I guess, my father company, DeanBlendell.com. Uh, make sure you check out my exclusive content over on the Ray Route Patreon page. As soon as this show ends, people who are on watching on Patreon, don't leave. I'm going to be remaining live after we cut away from the podcast crew. Links are all in the threads and description. No matter how you're watching or listening, make sure you hit that like button. If you haven't done it already, follow me on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on the podcast. Thank you to my sponsors over at Newsbreak. Make sure that you support the channel and the podcast by downloading the free link that I've left in the description. Until next time, thank you for tuning in to Talking Football with Ray. And remember... You're all legit, kid.
And I'm still live. No one go anywhere. You don't have to stay if you don't want. It's totally up to you, dude. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Well, you didn't say anything. All right. When's the Patreon? When's the Patreons coming well, in? Uh, they're not. Well, they could be, but um, <laughs> I'm just. This is just. I'm just going to answer the Patreon questions and then I'm out of here because I got to okay. be somewhere in half an hour. So you can stay. You can go. It's up to you. All right, y'all enjoy yourself. I'll be out of here. Y'all. All right, buddy. Right, Appreciate you, you as always. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you next Wednesday, brother. See you, buddy. All right, Patreon. What's crack a lacking? Hope y'all are doing well. Whoever's watching, I see one viewer. Let me know who you are. Let me know who you are. Let me know who you are right now. Let me know. Let me know. Let me know who you are. Let me know. I need to know who you are. Come on. Come on. Comment. Comment. I need you to comment. Okay. What's up, guys? Let me get through your Patreon questions. Here we go. Thomas says, Patriots sign a marketing deal for Germany, a Patriots game in Germany, 22 of 23. Damn, that will be a dream come true. I hope, you know, good for you. What's up, Colt Soil? And Loyalist is watching. Appreciate you, brother. Um, no, I'm, I'm happy for you, Lawrence or uh, Thomas. I mean, if anybody, if anybody was going to get the opportunity to get to watch their favorite team, I'm happy it's you, bud. And uh, maybe, maybe if it's 23, I don't know about 22, but maybe if it's 23, maybe I'll actually make a trip to Germany. We can go watch the game together. How does that sound? Thomas says, talking about Trevor Lawrence, I think the danger lies in the psychological damage he gets, like Lawrence pointed out. He will lose his self-confidence. The Jags must act fast. It would be sad. The kids got talent. Now, I agree, man. I, I agree. I, I To me, I haven't liked what I've seen out of Trevor Lawrence, and a lot of that could be on on Urban Meyer. I don't think I want to def, you know, 100% definitely put it on the kid. I think that there's a lot of stuff that's not his fault per se some of it probably is but i want to say most of it's not his fault that's i just can't it's just not who i am but uh no i do agree with you i believe that um i i believe that urban meyer has fucked things up there i mean you heard mario in the podcast i mean he was just absolutely howling at it right it's just it's I've never seen a situation so screwed up in my entire life. I, I don't even know what to say about it. Thomas says, Baker Mayfield possibly out again against the Raiders. Can can uh, Keenum win against them? I think that Case Keenum can win against them if they... He can win against them if they don't have to friggin... If they had players to throw to, but no Austin Hooper, no Landry. Offensive line beat up, Kareem Hunt out. All right. They got, you know... They got... Uh, Nick Chubb, it's going to be a very difficult game, man. Like a very, very, very difficult game. Uh, Thomas says, read a tweet today about the Pats winning the Super Bowl because of COVID. People are insane. Yeah, man, the COVID Super Bowl. You know how it is. Uh, listen, I've really enjoyed this week. Really, really, really enjoyed this week in this. And, and Loyalist is on here. So shout out to him and his fan base. And I was saying this to Lawrence last night. It's been such a fun week talking to Colts fans, very respectable, you know, poking fun at each other, 
and that kind of thing. But just a lot of respect, a, a lot of respect with each other. Really, really fun. And uh, yeah, no, I can't turn around and say anything negative about the Coles fan base. I mean, outside of that Gary dude that's getting roasted, that that guy who Lauren said most indie fans don't like either, the whatever, the the media guy. I've had such a great time dealing with Colts fans this week. They've just been so, so fun. Alex says, why do you think Alex Bledsoe, Joshua Bledsoe was, Alex says, why do you think Joshua Bledsoe was activated off the reserve list? Because he's ready to come back. I've been interested to see what he's capable of. I think it'll be fun to watch him. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Bledsoe can do. You know, obviously a young draft pick, good kid. And, um, uh, I don't know how, I mean, people are talking about him playing this week. I don't, I don't know when he's going to play or when he's going to, that kind of thing. I mean, I'm not going to put the cart before the horse or anything of that nature, but, um, that's why I think he's back though, to be real with you. So, you know, it is what it is. All right, guys, I appreciate you all who came in here today on the Patreon. Make sure that you drop your, uh, your comments on a regular basis. Greg Doyle. That's the guy. He's a clown. He is a clown because <laughs> that's the only guy I've had beef with this week. The 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 guys have been so respectful. It's been absolutely phenomenal. So uh, I appreciate it. And um, guys, man, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you so much for the extended version of the podcast. Hope you all are doing well. Take care. See ya. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.